We taped Discover Lafayette with the support of Raider, a managed IT service provider that offers world-class service, including cybersecurity, communications, and technology support. With Raider, you have just one vendor and one number to call, allowing you to concentrate on what is most important, your business. For more information, visit RaiderSolutions.com. Today, we're taping a special edition of Discover Lafayette and showcasing the mission of Eat Lafayette, a year-long celebration of Lafayette's local restaurants. Diners are treated to deals offered by some of the Eat Lafayette restaurants, as well as culinary events throughout the campaign. With locally owned eateries ranging from Cajun, Italian, Mediterranean, Asian, barbecue, and everything in between, you can be sure there's something for everyone's taste buds. Our guest today is Wilson Savoy, a Grammy-winning accordionist, keyboard player, fiddler, and singer. Wilson hails from the renowned musical family, the Savoy Family Cajun Band. He plays with the Pineleaf Boys and performs solo as Sweet Willie Allen. And Wilson also owns the Hideaway on Lee in downtown Lafayette, as well as Hideaway Hall, the former Shilling Shack. And I can't think of anybody who personifies our region's unique culture better than Wilson Savoy. Welcome to Discover Lafayette. Oh, thank you for having me. Okay, this is, I'm, I just love talking with you. You bring sunshine into the room. I want to thank Jason Sikora for being here with you. You're both musicians. And I thought it'd be good for you to share your life story with your family, and then we can kind of branch out into your business ventures and anything sure. else you want to talk about. Well, I was born in Eunice. Mom and dad, uh, my dad builds accordions. He's been building accordions. He's 83 now. Wow. Been building accordions his entire life almost. He was one of the very first people to build Cajun accordions in Louisiana. Back then, uh, people were just trying to buy the cheapo ones mm -hmm. from Germany. But after World War II, Germany was destroyed and they had to, they couldn't get them anymore. So my dad figured out, it's hard to imagine, he figured out before the internet how to do anything. He had to go to Texas, take a train to Texas and go to the uh, trade center there to learn uh -huh. how to, where do you buy the reeds? Where do you get the wood? Where do you get the bellows? And he figured it all out. When was that? When did he that really That would have been in the 1960s, that? like early 60s. So before the renaissance of all the Cajun music and uh, right. before it became really popular as it did. It was a bad yeah. word back then, the word Cajun. Um, even when I was in school, I didn't want to say that we played Cajun music or that mm -hmm. we liked Cajun music. Mm -hmm. um, so even still today, I mean, I can be in Lafayette and people are like, what's that you got there, a concertina? I'm like, no, it's a Cajun accordion, like mm -hmm. literally the staple image instrument of life yeah, yet, you know people yeah. still don't know so we've always kind of considered it our, our mission to help spread what is cajun music and it's not mm -hmm. what people might think it is it's not like this really stale boring music it's actually can be fun and right. there's multiple different kinds of music and uh as long as you love it and put energy mm -hmm. into it and i think that's been our success we just love playing mm -hmm. music I always have can you talk about your family your parents your brother yeah so my dad like i said built accordions still does my mom is from virginia they met at a music festival and uh, Where, which festival was Wolf that? Wolf Trap, Virginia. Okay. Wolf Trap. It's like a folk music fest uh -huh. in 1976, I think. And they got married shortly after. And so she came south. And south, she came more, down. More south. My dad was like, come <laughs> visit Louisiana. You're going to love the beautiful oak trees and you're going to love the plantation houses and all the wonderful food. And she came down and it was like, 
you know, <laughs> not exactly the image she was told. Mm-hmm. She moved Eden. to Eunice, Louisiana. <laughs> and uh, some areas of Eunice might not be quite as pretty as others. And uh, she was coming from Richmond, Virginia. So you can yeah. imagine the major yeah. change. And, uh, but love but love. All. She studied French, loved the old Cajun people, loved mm-hmm. those people. Just such characters. It's always, so she wrote a book about Cajun music. Wrote a book called Cajun Music, A Reflection of the People. Because nobody who was living here cared enough to interview these old people before they passed away. And she did. And she interviewed wow. all these old people and made an amazing book. Now it's kind of considered one of the uh, quintessential like Cajun Bibles of, of mm-hmm. the music, all the stories and songs, and she wrote them all down. So that's been her just masterpiece of her yeah. lifetime. She just came out with a new volume like 40 years later, volume mm-hmm. two. So she's very, she has a band called the Magnolia Sisters and she's very involved. It's an all female group, like Cajun music, Cajun ballads. My brother, Cajun musician as well. He has a recording studio, very similar to like this, but they record bands. And mm-hmm. it's uh, it's in my f- father's old um, outdoor kitchen. They converted an outdoor, because in the old days, the kitchen was separated from the house. Right. And if you wanted to cook, they'd go out there. It was too hot. And so Joel turned that into a recording studio. Mm-hmm. And now he is busy almost every day recording bands from Norway to in Eunice? Yeah, in Eunice, right outside Eunice, where we we live in an area called Savoy, believe it or not, mm-hmm. my last name. It, and, did I uh, mispronounce your no, name? No, Sa- Savoy is the English pronunciation and Savoy is the French pronunciation. You prefer the French. I do both. If I'm okay. on the telephone and I want the name to spell it, I say Savoy. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Savoy. Oh, is there a W in that? You know, mm-hmm. I get that a lot. <laughs> uh, and so Joel's, you know, also he won a Grammy as well for uh, producing music and uh i got two sisters as well sarah and gabi and there sarah's a great musician she teaches at the french immersion school in sunset oh yeah really yeah so she lived in france Lindsay. for many years yeah, Lindsay, Lindsay is, a, is a principal yeah, yeah she's great that's they're like best school. friends yeah yeah so she's uh sarah's teaching there and gabi my youngest younger sister also is a great artist photographer musician singer so very, I, you know, I'm not going to lie. It is a talented family. Yeah. So coming up, when you were a young boy, did you just love Cajun music or were you into other types of mainstream music? When I was a kid, I was more into rock and roll. But when I say rock and roll, I don't mean like Led Zeppelin. I mean, I was mm-hmm. into like Jerry Lee Lewis, like 1950s oh, rock and roll, Elvis okay. Presley, uh, that kind of stuff. Because I'd seen this movie called Great Balls of Fire. Dennis Quaid played Jerry Lee Lewis, and there's a scene when he, I love the piano playing, and he he takes a match and burns the piano down, and I was like, wow, that is the coolest. I want to be that guy. Mm-hmm. So I started playing rock and roll piano, boogie woogie piano. I just that's all I cared about. I love boogie woogie. Me too. Just and, and there's that. not too much of that around here. I think mm-hmm. Eric Adcock is one of the only others that I know that play mm-hmm. uh, you know really great piano uh, that style around yeah. here, New Orleans boogie woogie. And uh, but when I moved to Baton Rouge. To go to school there, I went to LSU. I brought, my dad had bought me an accordion as a gift. He's like, son, you're leaving. Here's an accordion. Take this with you. Like a movie. You know, you can imagine like You put it in your um, suitcase. Yeah, Yeah. right. He's like, take this with you and never forget where you come from. You know, and I took it and I was like, whatever. That's nice. Thank you for the accordion. But I wasn't interested in playing the accordion. I moved to Baton Rouge and I don't like, I, I don't care about sports. I don't care about anything that Baton Rouge has to offer. It doesn't interest me, sports or any of the campus nightlife. And I go to bed early, wake up one morning and the sun is shining on that accordion. It's like, play me. I'm, and I was... Up until that moment, I didn't care about the accordion, but 
now I have to play it. I'm uh -huh. completely obsessed with it. And I start playing the accordion every minute. I stopped going to class. By ear? Like just, just by, I knew all the tunes from as a kid because uh -huh. uh, my parents played music all the time. We'd have par parties, house parties, and people would come over. And just like the same way I learned English, the same way I learned these tunes. Probably, probably by the time I was five, I knew 100 Cajun songs. I didn't know what they were called, but I could whistle them. My mom says I'd be on the trampoline, jumping on the trampoline, whistling these tunes, uh -huh. note for note for note, very intricate. And so I start playing the accordion, and that's all I care about. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm like, why? What am I? So I stopped going to class. I was wondering, what were you studying? I was studying communications in German. I was really into the German language. We had a German guy who lived with us, uh, an exchange student as a kid. And I just loved him and his family. And I loved the language. So I was studying that, self-taught, and I got a minor in that in school. But then I just kind of stopped caring about school because I, I knew I wanted to, I, I knew I would never be like this traditional person who gets a, a nine to five job. I knew, I don't know what I was going to do, but I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to have to commute to work every day. I was, I was going to figure it out because my dad, self-employed, my mom, self-employed, they always figured it out, a way to do it. And so I knew I was never going to have a, a boss and have a nine to five job, but I had to figure out how that was mm -hmm. possible. And so started playing the accordion. And then that's when the wind began taking me places. Um, I moved to Lafayette in 2002, right near UL campus, because I wanted to uh, be in Lafayette. And I had a roommate, Jean Bertrand, who's in the Pine Leaf Boys with me. And we just, he was like me. We just wanted to play Cajun music. Mm -hmm. Cajun, Cajun, Cajun. And there was a girl's dormitory right across the street. <laughs> so I had this like fantasy image that I'd be playing accordion and these girls would be swooning and just oh, yeah. be like, oh my God. Wow, wow. It's like a Cajun mm -hmm. mystery man playing the accordion down there. And that never happened. I was going to ask how that. But, yeah. yeah, that didn't work out too, too, too good for us. But so we decided <laughs> to take the music directly to the campus and start playing music on campus. We're like. We didn't have jobs at that point. Uh, we were just, our rent was very low. Mm -hmm. um, you can really just, scrap when you're that oh, age, yeah. too. And they knocked the house. It was this old ratty house right across the street. It's right behind the kitchen on Clinton uh, place on mm -hmm. Lamar and University. And uh, so we started playing music on campus. And quickly, we got all these young people would, like, be into kids' music. They'd be, like, you know, sashaying down the street. Now they're dancing to the music because they, mm -hmm. they liked it, you know. And we thought we were doing great things. Here we are, the Raging Cajun campus, and yeah. we're playing Cajun music for free. We just thought it'd be a good way to do it. And all of a sudden, one day, when my career started, the day the policeman, campus cop, <laughs> came policeman. and said, "Y'all got to get out of here. Y'all are disturbing the peace." Were you too People loud? People complaining. We uh, compared to like the noise of the mm -hmm. traffic, like all yeah. these big trucks driving by, blasting all kinds of garbage music, and it was it was. Insane that they would complain about that. That's ridiculous. It is. And uh, they quickly realized it was ridiculous. But they kicked us off, and I decided the internet— I, we, we had just gotten the internet. This was like in 2004. I just got on the internet, and I was like, I'm going to write every newspaper I can think of and tell them the story. Here we are. You know, of course, we kind of played that car. Here we are, mm -hmm. these poor young musicians, yeah. and uh, we're trying to spread our musical culture on the, on the campus, thought we were doing good things, and this mean old policeman came and kicked us off. And they printed the story in all the local papers. Even Baton Rouge printed this story. And then these local venues like Blue Moon Saloon, yeah. which is still there, Artmosphere, which is still there. Oh, yeah. They're like, you know what? Since they won't let you play on campus, come come play at our place. Mm -hmm. we'll, you'll make money at the door. We'll give you some beer. It'll be a bunch of nice people dancing. The girls there. The girls yeah. are going to be there as a young, and they all speak French because mm -hmm. it's a French-speaking venue. 
uh, come on out. And we did that. And for that was, in my opinion, kind of the golden age and heyday for of my life for Cajun music mm-hmm. in Lafayette, 2004, 5, 6, when we were living. We lived right next door at that point to the Blue Moon. They were like Blue Moon, and there were like three houses, and we were living there. And uh, that was a huge part of, of us. And then we got an agent, and we started going to Europe. We had a record. Wow. And it's all because of that policeman. If he hadn't come and kicked us off, which, you know, a lot of times in life that happens, it yeah. seemed like a, I was really upset and offended by that. But within a couple of days, I realized that if that hadn't happened, we'd probably just keep doing mm-hmm. on camp, going to campus, playing music. And nothing probably would have ever have come up. But we needed that catalyst to help catapult us to the next level. Yeah. And that's so what it was. Mark Falgu is who you're talking about at um, Blue yeah, Moon. Yeah, right. Mark Falgu, um, I and think he must, maybe he had, in my memory, at least in my um, somewhat fantasy memory of this, he he must have read the paper yeah. and been like, hey, y'all come play Blue Moon because we love Cajun music. And he's all about supporting local exactly. artists. Yeah. And then Barrel the Blue Camp Moon. and yeah, Artmosphere, and Barrel Camp same too. thing. Yeah, both of them. And they yeah. were so welcoming and uh, at that time, KG Music was just exploding. I mean, you'd play mm-hmm. Blue Moon and get 300 people there wow. sometimes. And that was, you know, you make $3,000 in one night. And that was huge. It was an infinite amount of money for yeah. us. Uh, so we would do that and uh, have a great time and we could walk home. So mm-hmm. that's when uh, we were able to play in Lafayette at that point. You could actually play in Lafayette and make money, make enough money to support yourself as a musician. Those days are long gone. There's no way. I was going to ask you about if that. If you're going to be yeah. a musician, we have a, a niche music here. Like we have a very specific kind of music, Cajun music, Zydeco music, that from my understanding of the music scene in Lafayette, that's the only music where you can actually do pretty well for yourself here. You can play a gig and make $200, $300, $400 a man sometimes. Um, but a lot of these bands around here who aren't in this kind of cultural music, they would struggle. There'll be mm. seven bands on a bill in one night. They'll all go play. And sometimes they end up owing money just to leave the venue. Really? Yeah. So Cajun music's always had a good um, good rapport as far mm. as like being able to make music here. But it's definitely changed a lot. Um, it's not like that because a lot of the supporters of it were either really old people who now have passed away or really young people before they had kids. And now the kids and the whole family life has kind of changed yeah. going on a lot. So whereas the audience has changed, uh, the venues are still there, but they're different. But every couple of years, you get a new guy or a new band that comes along. And right now, the new one is Jordan Thibodeau. I don't know if you're familiar with Jordan Thibodeau. He's this kind of younger, uh, French-speaking you know, wild guy from St. Martinville mm-hmm. plays fiddle. My brother's in his band and they are just the new hot thing. He'll take his shirt off while he's playing Ooh. music and play the fiddle and sweating all the girls just like you know, <laughs> crying in the audience. And you didn't do that when you were like playing. I didn't do you that. didn't think about that? No, I should have. Maybe, I, you know, who knows yeah. where I'd be now. Maybe, I'd, maybe I'd, not. I'd, I'd I don't know. American <laughs> Idol maybe now, you know, <laughs> I don't know. living somewhere else. But no, I, th- that was not something that I did back then. But mm-hmm. uh, so that's, and that's what's going, that's very popular. He's a great, great songwriter. Mm-hmm. So um, things like that are really good. There's a new documentary called Roots of Fire that just came out where they filmed it in, out of New Orleans. And Jordan was one of the musicians. I'm one of the musicians, Joel. It's a great documentary, Roots of Fire. In fact, uh, next Thursday, a lot of those guys are flying to California for the film showing. Oh, so, uh, wow. Yeah, so Louisiana's very involved. Lafayette Tourism is actually helping pay some of the flights, uh-huh. the flights over there. So that's a big thing. And, um, and if you check it out, Roots of Fire, it's a lot of the— uh, well-known musicians in this area who um, who are doing similar things to me. They all have this love of Cajun music, but it's not only Cajun music. They're also doing other things in the culture that kind of help 
promote and, and keep the culture going. But like what? Because I wanted you to get into all this. Yeah, well, and I guess in my case, I opened up a restaurant dance hall mm-hmm. thing uh, in 2000. It was, what was it? Uh, 2020, so right at COVID, you know, so like the Hideaway COVID. Hall. Yeah, well, this is Hideaway on Lee Hideaway downtown, on Lee. which is right across from Don's Seafood. Yep. And so like COVID happened, I think it was like March, and they're like, we, I was I was working. We rented this old house, and I'm in there. I do carpentry, so I'm like tearing all the walls out. I'm building a bar. I'm just like excited. I was like, oh, I'm gonna open up my own damn my own bar. And then COVID happens, yeah. and just like the policeman who kicked me off campus, COVID, which seemed like a bad mm-hmm. a bad thing. In the very short term, it was actually, for us, was a really great thing because we had an outdoor uh, courtyard with an outdoor stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was run by people who were very conscious of um, health protocols and wearing masks. And we listened to advice of nurses and so on and so on. And we figured we have nothing to lose by following the advice of professionals. And so we stayed open during COVID. And we had the only venue which had music because we were a restaurant. And it ended up being an, an amazing way to kickstart my career in mm-hmm. food and, and bar. Yeah. You just had to keep the tables, I guess, six had to feet keep apart the tables or apart, something. Had to have a little, and the and people would call in, complain, and uh, the the fire marshals would come and check on us, make sure we're following the rules. And sure enough, every time they'd be like, mm-hmm. "Oh, you guys are doing great, exceeding the rules." And you were one of the few, like you're saying, so that did put you in demand. Yeah, and of know? course in Lafayette, that could be both good and bad. Yeah. So like. Uh, we had started having music and this nurse that I know wrote me and said, um, have you considered giving free masks to people who walk in? I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. It's going to make a stand. I don't want to make a stand. I don't want to make a political stand. And she said, uh, okay, well, I'm just going to come. I'm going to make a bunch of masks. I'm going to put them by the door. Whoever wants them can have them. And so this girl, Zoe Huval, who's a local artist, started coming, giving out masks. Uh, Lindsay Zorski was another one. They just donating masks. Uh-huh. Meg Romer donating masks. And, um, with all the people we gained from that, we equally lost as many people because people would come in and they were very against the idea of that. But Oh, I see. Yeah. So it was just one of those things where we had to navigate and we just figured we're just going to do what we consider is the right thing. Listen to people who know more than us. Yeah. And uh, that's what we did. And we made it through. A lot of restaurants they didn't. did not. Yeah. A lot of bars did not. But we did and we're still, we're on three years now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So all that COVID money, did you qualify if you were still rocking and rolling? We have not gotten, I know of places getting like hundreds of thousands mm-hmm. of dollars. We haven't, I don't think we've gotten next to anything. Yeah. Uh, because it was this weird situation where you, you kind of had to have no business. You had to lay off all your people during COVID and mm-hmm. we we didn't do any of that. So, yeah. but we're managing. Uh, so we then we bought the old shilling shack. Uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with that, yeah. but it's when not did that far. Open? Well, which the Shilling Shack or yeah. uh, the well, Shilling Shack? The Hideaway Shack. Hall. The Hideaway Hall we opened um, last year. Okay. Yeah, so it hadn't even been a year, I don't think yet. No, not even a year. Um, My daughter spent, Kelly has been there. I haven't been yet, but I know oh, that the there was a fun for the drag queen yeah. brunch, yeah. and she taped it. You know, oh, cool. like she was hired to to film it, and I saw some of the video. It's a great venue. Oh, thank you. But also, it's like perfect for all kinds of events. Like, it's just it's everybody knew the shilling It's a big space, 5,000 square feet, you yeah. know, which is not huge, but it's quite big. big. There's a big old dance hall, and we, uh, so we went in there, we bought the place, and it was in bad shape. Was it? I don't know if you've ever been in the shilling shack, but. And, well, you know, back in yeah, the day. Funky, 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 mm-hmm. and I don't mean funky in a good way. Uh, <laughs> they, the ceiling, uh, was literally the entire truss system of the roof was collapsing. There was an arch in the red to tear the whole ceiling out. All new air conditioners, all new plumbing, all new water lines, all new gas lines, all new electrical. 
everything. We tore out every inch of that place um, while maintaining, of course, the original building because it has a lot of history. In fact, I found out the original name of the Shilling Shack way back in the day was Savoy Lumberyard. Spelled like your name? Just like my name. S-A-V-O-Y. S-A-V-O-Y, Savoy Lumberyard. And they were, because they were out on the tracks and apparently they would get their shipments in of lumber and plumbing supplies. And that was actually like Mm -hmm. kind of the Home Depot of the day was apparently where now the Hideaway Hall is. Wow. And uh, so you did want to preserve that history. Yeah, definitely. So we, um, but then of course, many, many decades of neglect and, you know, like, like frats would, um, fraternities would rent this place and for like 50 bucks, (laughs) they'd give them the key. And there were stains on the ceiling where I don't even know what How they could they have do been. That? I don't know what those stains could have been, <laughs> but when I burned them, I saw the spirits flying out of them. So uh, Stains on the ceiling. Oh, yeah. Just keep that away from me. But it was a cool place, great bones, and it has a, a mm-hmm. great, cool old Lafayette history to it. So we're, mm-hmm. we're very proud to own a part of that, and we're just keep improving it. We have all these you know, nice bars, yeah. and it's a beautiful dance floor. How do you have time to be a businessman when you're also a musician? And travel. Well, believe it or not, I probably have more time than most people that I know uh, because a lot of these things are somewhat autopilot, you know, mm-hmm. and I don't travel that much. I might these days go on the road for 30, 40 days a year. That's it. And then Hideaway Hall, I have great, my partners who, who co-own it with me, Dave and Lena, uh, they run it full time. Um, so I just kind of go whenever a toilet is clogged and I need to go do that because unfortunately I'm, I'm the handyman. That's kind of my role there. <laughs> Uh, once you establish that you know how to do that stuff, then that's when they, it's yeah. like if you have a truck, they always call you. You have to you have open your mouth. And, yeah. But you live right by there. You live in North Lafayette. I live in North, so. yeah, in Moore Park. I've been mm-hmm. living there. I built a house out there 10 years ago. I built it myself. Um, I was learning, studying how to do, how to build houses. And I decided if I can build a house from scratch, then after that, I could probably do renovation work for people. So it was a, you know, just read a bunch of mm-hmm. books, how to build a house. And it was at a time when lumber was cheap. Everything was cheap. And I was like, I can do this for Way cheaper. A lot of my talents have come out of me just being a cheap, yeah. a cheap person who doesn't want to spend a bunch of money. That. It's like, oh, I could hire a plumber for $300 an hour, or I could learn how to do it myself with yeah. a book that costs $15. And that's always been kind of my MO, just like learn how to do it and then do it yourself and you can save infinite. So when I mm-hmm. built a house, you know, I said, oh, I can buy a house for $300,000 or build one for $50,000 oh, and get what do you the want math and do yeah. exactly what I want. So that was kind of my logic on that. And of course I had friends and who studied and, and other old men carpenters. Mm-hmm. This one guy was like almost 90. He would come and help me out, oh. teach me how to lay the string lines and how to build the steps for the house. And it was but great. that's going to last. That's exactly. Lasting. Yep. So that was a really great experience to have him mm-hmm. out there. Uh, Moisey Boudouin help, helping me yeah. with all that. So you have time, but you still perform, you travel and talk about what it's like to, I know you have several bands you interact with. Can you talk about those bands? My main band that I've had for the last 20 years, which I guess is kind of my main job in a way, was Pine Leaf Boys. It is Pine Leaf Boys. We started that in Lafayette in 2004, so almost 20 years ago. And that band kind of blew up quickly. Um, Cedric Watson was a huge part of that band when we started. Uh, he's a young black fiddle player and uh, with a lot of exuberance, very excited to play um Cajun, we, we were all very excited about the music, very excited mm-hmm. at the time. That's all we cared about. Well, you were all motivated because of what had happened. Exactly. Yeah. And he would he had moved to town, and so he was a huge part in taking that band on the road. And um, so Pine Leaf Boys, and then we started doing, like, they, they had at the point, they had the Cajun Zotico Grammy Awards. Uh, we got nominated, like, four times for that. And then we, it was during the time of Obama's presidency for eight years, we did a lot of State Department tours. I think there might have been, oh. maybe there was more money in the arts. I don't know. 
it's just coincidental that during those years we did, I think, um, six State Department tours. We went to Saudi Arabia, UAE, Jerusalem, Latvia, Uzbekistan, Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan, Latvia, Denmark, uh, all over uh, Turkey, playing uh, music for usually either embassies over there as a sign of American goodwill. Like, hey, here's a here's a cultural band from America. And, you know, one of the few left cultures in, in America that still ha has musical identity to it. Yeah. And so we'd go do that. And then also we'd play at like impoverished schools where sometimes they didn't have electricity and uh, their toilet was nothing but, you know, a hole in the ground outside. So we kind of got to see both extreme ends of those countries, like the embassies where the women would come in and take off their their robes and their their burkas and all that, and they could relax. And then you go to the other end of it where you go to these schools, which had no electricity yeah. and no plumbing, no running water. And so we were just like these country boys from Eunice or whatever. And now we're in, you know, uh, Dubai or mm -hmm. in uh, somewhere in southeastern Turkey playing Cajun music for people who have never heard it, don't even know. And they were so, uh, they loved us so much. They'd oh. walk up with bread and they were so friendly to them. They were bringing you food? They were bringing us food. They oh, were like, we, we were, How to humbling. them, they, we were as big of celebrities and stars as Tom Cruise or Brad Pitt. Yeah. They were just shaking to because they just loved America. They just loved the fact that these Americans were visiting them. They didn't know anything about us or KG Music, uh -huh. but the fact that these Americans were taking their time to come to their place, and they were just so thankful. And That's I'll never awesome. forget that, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. you were so young. I mean— Yeah, it was like 20 years ago. Yeah. So I'm 41 now, so, yeah. Did all that come about after you were nominated, like as a Grammy? How I did they that find you? Yeah, the Grammys, they had, there were four years they had the Cajun Zotico Grammy category. It was a mm -hmm. ca category called regional. No, what was it? No, it was, it was actually Cajun Zotico yeah. category. That's I all. know now it's regional roots. Now it's roots. regional roots. Yeah. Right. That's a shame. Yeah. So they kind of, it was cool for a while they had that. So I think we got nominated four times, if I'm not mistaken, uh, for that category. But the Pinely Boys never won. The one that actually won the Grammy was a... Uh, Kubion, a band with Wayne Toops and Steve Riley. Oh, gosh. And uh, it was just a trio. And that's a funny band. Uh, I played fiddle in the band. And uh, I think the reason I got that job was because one night I was at Blue Moon and Wayne Toops was at Blue Moon. And I think Wayne was like, I'm going to start a band. I'm going to call it <laughs> Kubion. Kubion. We're just going to play traditional cage music. And I want Steve Riley to be in the band. And I want, and he kind of pointed aimlessly towards somebody. And I happened to be, I think, in the line <laughs> of fire of his pointing. And I was like, me? And he was like, yeah, you. Savoy, you can play in a band too. And I think, you know, everybody's drinking. And so I held him to that. I was like, later he on, I was like, hey, yeah. <laughs> uh, can I still be in this band? Oh, sure, whatever. And I'm not known as a fiddle player. There's like 50,000 fiddle players who are better mm -hmm. than me in this in this town alone. But I was just, I think, in the, in the Wayne's line of fire when he was pointing. And he was like, hey, yeah, come play. And uh, I also made a little documentary about Wayne. I was kind of filming him at the time. Uh, this, I like to do film work. And I was just making a little, for fun, a documentary about his life and his career. Mm -hmm. And so I got to know, got to meet and learn a lot about Wayne. And, and that was a great experience. And we ended up winning the Grammy. And I know the, the, the main reason we won that Grammy, I was in the right place at the right time. Because Wayne is such a, you know, he's such a, Superstar, yeah. you know, he's like the number one superstar in Louisiana, if you ask me. And uh, it was well-deserved. And he went to the Grammys and he gave a speech and he claimed it. And it was a great, great moment. Yeah. 
I mean, I can't even imagine how exciting that was. Oh yeah, it was exciting. I, in fact, me and Steve that day were we had a gig together. We were playing at Pat's in, in Henderson, and uh, they announced it, that we had won. And I just yeah, we went crazy. A lot of uh, partying after that. And I've heard that musicians have to actually pay their own way to go accept the awards, right? You don't just they don't what? just come and get you on a bus or right. fly you there. If you're nominated, they'll give you a ticket, but you have to get there. Right. But, uh, in my memory. Uh, Lafayette tourism has always been really great, uh, and also Louisiana tourism. There's two different entities there, mm-hmm. and they've always donated money uh, when it goes to good cause, and they would help pay for flights yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So um, I don't know who's in charge at the time of all that, but uh, I think even to this day, they're still helping out musicians yeah. to help further the music and those right. kind of things. Yeah. Right. So today— which band are you are you playing most with Pineleaf Boys or with your family or— I would say probably Pine Leaf. We had a pretty busy summer. Mm-hmm. We hit it hard in the summer, and then it calms down a lot. But I'm honestly not that playing that much. I don't really know what I do these days to keep me busy. <laughs> what do I do? How how you're are, here in the studio? How are we in September already? I don't <laughs> understand. Yeah. yeah, I don't know how I'm in September, and I don't really have much to show for. I guess I I keep my time between either building houses for fun for friends or playing music or. I'm at Hideaway eating a hamburger mm-hmm. and fixing toilets. I think that's kind of how <laughs> so I spend my nine months. So I can be on stage one day, you know, playing for, could be a thousand people at a festival. And then the next day I'm playing for four people, you know, picking their nose. And then the next day I'm at Hideaway cleaning <laughs> a toilet. And then the next day I'm, uh, you know, swinging a hammer, trying to build yeah. a house. And so that's kind of what, it's just a roller coaster of, uh, and I, I think I like that. I like the fact that every day is something different. Yeah. That's, I, I like that way of making money, of making a living. So Thanksgivings and Christmas, special holidays with your family. Do you guys jam at your house? Oh, yeah. I'm a, well, I'm kind of known as Mr. Christmas around here. Like, I know oh, every yeah? Christmas song in the book. I play them all on the piano. What's your so, favorite? Um, probably Please Come Home for Christmas. Bells will be ringing. And the uh, Nat King Cole, all that stuff. Oh. And uh, big fan of all that. Oh, cool. Uh, but and, uh, So every time there's a piano at any party, I'll jump at that. And uh, there's people— having drinks and we're having caroling and sometimes we'll take it to the streets. I'll bring my melodica and we'll just like walk in the street, play Christmas tunes. And so, yeah, we love that. Uh, I love Christmas time. And at my parents' house, there's pianos and fiddles. And mm-hmm. every time we get together, there's music. How old are your parents now? My dad will be 83 You're saying, okay, in a few your weeks. Mom? And my mom just turned 70. Oh, okay. Yeah. So she's relatively young. I mean, I, yeah. I find that to be very young. Yeah, <laughs> right. Well, this day and age, that's, you know, yeah. that's very young. Yeah. Wow. And they're still active. So. Oh, yeah. My dad's mm-hmm. still out there doing it. My mom's traveling. We're going um, Saturday, the whole family, to California to play some music out there. And also for the Roots. And the Roots yeah. of Fire, yeah. In mm-hmm. fact, Joelle's going to fly back and then go back to California for the Roots of Fire. I can't do it because I'll be next Thursday at the Hideaway playing a Pine Leaf Boy reunion show. So I'll be there. So I actually turned down the Roots of Fire oh. thing to, in order to play my yeah. reunion show at the Hideaway. But, um, yeah, lots of fun things mm-hmm. happening. Do you have a favorite song or tune that, that you feel identifies you, your music? I do. My favorite song of all times is Ray Charles' You Don't Know Me. Have you covered that? I do it on stage sometimes, yeah. I just remember the song. I was, I've was. i always been a big Ray Charles fan because I love mm-hmm. his singing. Yeah. And I was when I was a kid, I saw this commercial of this guy who was in a swing, and he was swinging. And it was like a lawyer commercial, and it said— have you had hard times? And in the background was the song Hard Times by uh, Ray Charles. I didn't know who Ray Charles was. I just remember every time that lawyer commercial would come on, I'd get excited. I'm like, oh, I get to hear my song again. But I couldn't figure out what song it was. Nobody knew in my family who that was. 
And then years later, I was watching the movie Groundhog Day with Bill Murray. Oh, God. And there's a scene when they're dancing in the snow and the song You Don't Know Me is playing. Mm -hmm. And I could recognize the voice as the same voice from that commercial. I could put two and two together. And then I figured out it was Ray Charles. Yeah. And I went back in his discography and found a song, Hard Times. But that song, You Don't Know Me, is definitely of all time. Just my favorite mm -hmm. uh, favorite recording, for sure. What about any songs or tunes that you've written? you have a favorite? Tunes that I've written— I've written a couple tunes, but in Cajun music, kind of the whole way, the one reason it makes it kind of easy to play Cajun music is because we usually, for the most part, we just cover old tunes. Mm -hmm. Most of it, uh, with the exception of like Jordan Thibodeau and a few people, Steve Riley, who actually write, David Greeley, who write original music, most of it is just covers. We're just taking tunes from the 1950s and mm -hmm. putting our spin on them. So yeah. I've written a couple tunes, but... Uh, I don't think they're anything special. You know, mm -hmm. it's just something, because uh, A, you're writing in a, in, a, in a language that nobody around here hardly understands, especially when you're singing it. And uh, B, it's just such, it, it's so limited in the kind of music because you're playing an accordion, which is very limited. You only play in a couple keys and uh, you only have the white notes on a piano. You're missing five notes. And as a, I, I, lo I love oh, playing really? jazz piano. It's one of my favorite oh. things to do. So I play jazz piano. I can play in any key, a whole bunch of interesting, beautiful chords. Then you have to kind of, reduce it in Cajun music down to like maximum of three chords, always in the same key. And so it never really inspired me much to write music in Cajun music because I always felt it was just so limiting what you yeah. can do. And if you try to do something cool in Cajun music and put a bunch of chords or put a bunch of choruses and different parts, people would think it's just, oh, that's that new age hippie music. and Not authentic. Right. So then around here, you know, you have to deal with people that are very stuck in these very kind of Mm -hmm. It's got to be one way or it's not Cajun music. So I was just like, I don't really want to deal with it. I'm just going to, I'm going to have my jazz music that I play sometimes and then I'll play Cajun music, but I'm not going to try to mix them too much. Mm -hmm. up. I don't need to, you know. So. Yeah. I saw a video of you on YouTube. I think you were playing in Brooklyn or somewhere in New York and just your talent is immense. I Thank mean, you. It, it's, it's beautiful. Thank you. Anything you thought I would ask you, like, is there something that everybody asked you and you thought, Jan, you weren't thinking? Not at all. Which is not uh, unusual. <laughs> I didn't really know what to expect. I was just, you know, I, I think I met you at that coffee shop. I want to put in a plug for Denise. We met at Coffee Week Cottage. Uh -huh. We were, I was leaving and you were walking in. Right. And I knew who you were, but we had never really met. And you've made yourself available for this so quickly. I'm just oh, I'm well. so thrilled at that chance encounter. Sure. That's a cool cool place. I'd never been oh, there. Yeah. It's just there by chance. I was like, oh, there's a new coffee shop downtown? Like, what's all this about? That we have four now. And, I know, Jason, uh, I love if coffee you haven't shops. been. Yeah. I mean, the coffee's delicious. The tea's delicious. I love the ambiance there. But you, yeah, the ambiance. But then they teach people how to plant plants. Beautiful. Oh, is that right? I didn't know yeah. what they You can put classes. Yeah, oh, she puts on Denise McClure. No, Denise Champagne McClure. You can buy gifts there. They'll put them, they'll wrap them up for you. She's got beautiful pottery, candles. It's it's a destination at 410 Poydras, but it's on kind of Simcoe, like at that right. corner. You wouldn't think going down there, because I used to live around there, and mm -hmm. uh, I didn't know. I was like, where am I going? I just looked at it. Somebody said, go check out this new coffee shop, because I'm a coffee fanatic. Yeah. Even today, I wanted coffee, but I couldn't get any coffee because the boil, boil oh, advisory yeah. in Lafayette. So I was like, oh, man, too. can't get any coffee. So I mm -hmm. came here without my daily uh, afternoon coffee. But I discovered that cool coffee shop. And I was, and I, I didn't know they were teaching people how to plant. Yeah, very nice service. Cool. Yeah, it's a great place. So just get in a plug for her. Definitely. Yeah. Well, they were. They had a lot of people there when I was there. So every time, yeah. every time I go, it's packed. Yeah. So, well, Jason Sikor is here, taping our podcast. Thank you. I and am, you yeah. are a musician. I'm sure you're chomping at the bit. 
Um, yes, Wilson, thank you for, for coming here today. And Jan, thank you for, again for letting me ask some questions. Um, I got a bunch bunch of stuff here. First of all, thanks for mentioning your melodica because it reminds me that I don't know where mine is and I, I need to go look for it again. I got like three of them. I'll give you one. Okay, yeah. cool. Uh, I thought about just buying another one. Oh, I got them on Amazon for like 20 bucks. So, okay, yeah, nice. Yeah. I've got like a nice honer, I think. I got a honer too. And that one's a little bit more, like 80 bucks. Yeah, exactly. But and compared like, to an accordion, another... which is $4,000. So a melodica is, is like a, um, a breath-driven keyboard. But oh. little mini keyboard, and you have a little tube that hooks up to it to to blow into it, and that's how you get your sound. Oh yeah, the ladies love it. Just, like oh, a yeah. kazoo. It's, it's but, like but a piano? classic piano <laughs> with a big tube it's about coming the size. off. Of it. Yeah, but you blow coming out of it. Yeah, you blow you blow into it, and it then when you hit the note, that's makes a sound. So I could play that. You could play it. Yeah, if, yeah, if you play piano, you could totally play. Well, this. Yeah, have to or you could blow into a tube and hit a button, then you can play <clears throat> yeah. it as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Um, no, very really cool instruments. Uh, let's see here. As I jump around, Roots of Fire. How do we watch that when it comes out? Uh, it hasn't come out yet on DVD or anything, or what is DVD nowadays? It hasn't right. come out yet, but I think they're going to shoot to put it on like you know um, Netflix and all that eventually. Some streaming services, right? They up. had a filming a film showing at ACA back uh, in like October. I think they maybe have another one later in the year. But I would go to their website, uh, which I don't know what it is. I'm guessing it's rootsoffire.com. Okay, yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> if not, there's a Google. But uh, I'm sure on there they, they're doing film showings all over the country, and every time there's a film showing, they're trying to fly out one of the like six people in the film oh, okay. to be there and play music and usually Jordan Thibodeau will fly out in these different places and gotcha. join them yeah that's cool uh, alright next thing I gotta give a shout out to the hideaway um, I think my first time there was when the ESA class does their oh yeah and what do they what, do there uh, so uh, Bill gets the, the entire music class together uh -huh. and they go there and they put on a concert and cool. it is first of all those kids are monster players yeah and then a venue like that is just perfect right very informal very chill outdoors yeah yeah Bill, uh, Bill Fontenot huh uh, I want to say Smith. Bill okay. Smith. That's right. Yeah. Bill yeah, Smith. Yeah, Bill Smith. Right, that's right. right. Yeah. Yeah, he's the guy in charge of, yeah, the ESA. Yeah, it's great. And these kids are like, what, eight, nine, ten? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Some of them are, are graduating. Um, but, yeah, they're all high schoolers. And I, I know some of them are now at Berkeley. You know, they graduated a couple years ago. Killer players, mm -hmm. killer singers. And they just bring all 12 of them, and they kind of jump in and out playing different songs and just make it a blues song followed by a Michael Jackson song followed by, like, <laughs> you know, like a Metallica song followed by so – yeah, it's really cool. I wish, you know, when I was a kid, we would have had anything. Me the school, too. The school I went to, I went to school in Eunice. No music, no theater, no art, no nothing. And um, thank God that we were able to think outside the box, but I, I sure wish we would have had things like that at school. Well, it sounds like you did think outside the box by jumping over to I campus. I did. I did. But most of my friends who would have really benefited, who didn't have the, I don't know. They weren't exposed the, to it. They, yeah. The, I was lucky to have the parents, and I learned from my dad, you can be self-employed. But if we would have had music and all that in school, everyone would have turned out just so much better, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah fair yeah. enough. Uh, but I just want to give a plug to The Hideaway. When I, I went there and I, I was recording a lot of those, and your staff was so accommodating to somebody like me who's so interruptive, <laughs> bringing in all my gear to set up. So uh, place is great. Oh, thank you. Um, all right, Pine Leaf Boys. How do we listen to Pine Leaf Boys? Uh, we're on all the Spotify and all that kind of thing. I think most of our records are on there. And uh, Or just come see us. We play at Hideaway a couple times a year. Okay. And, and how do we find out where you guys are playing? We have a website, pineleafboys.com. has okay. our whole schedule. We'll be at Festival of Cadian, which is right down the road from here. It's yep. covered in Gerard Park. Uh, You're playing? Second weekend of October. Uh -huh. play there every year. We'll be at Black Pot Festival, which is really great, at Vermillionville, the other direction. Yeah. Okay. That's Black Pot's been going on for like, whew, about like 20 years as well. Is that the same weekend? It's like two two weekends later. Okay. So uh, Festival of Cadian's second weekend yeah. of uh, October, October and Black Pot's the last one. Yeah, yeah. that's a big day. 
Yeah. A lot of, and then, you know, everyone loves it. Cause it's just like kind of, if, if you can survive the summer, then everyone is coming out in October and yep. just are mm -hmm. all together and happy to be together outside. Yeah. And yeah, it's lovely. Awesome. Uh, and sorry for jumping around, uh, moving over to Cajun music. Uh, so every every style of music has its own kind of like couple identifiers. And so before I moved here, not knowing anything about Cajun music, my thought was, well, it's just a sped up 12-bar blues with an accordion. For somebody who doesn't know what Cajun music is, what's the best way to describe it? Well, sometimes it's 12 bars. Sometimes it's 12 and a half or 13 it's bars. Fair enough, yeah, yeah. Uh, because Cajun music may be known sometimes is quite crooked because it was originally played by farmers and people who just didn't. There were no rules. They just played whatever's on their mind, you know. Yeah. But typical Cajun music these days has an accordion and a fiddle. You got to have kind of those two instruments kind of to be Cajun music. And you sing in French. Okay. And it's usually a two-step or a waltz. Oh, And they alternate okay. back and forth. Two-step followed by a waltz followed by a two-step. Uh, sung in French uh, usually. Uh, and it's a dancing music. Everyone comes out and dance. Like it's a great, if you have a date and you want to go waltz or two-step and have a couple beers, there's still, there's one dance hall out there in Brobridge called La Poussiade, the dust. Okay. And every Saturday and Sunday, they have a four hour dance there oh, and wow. people are just dancing. You can get somebody who's 90 and somebody who's 19 and they're dancing together in the same. It's just cool. Just dancing in a huge circle down this like dance hall. Oh, that's cool. So, um, it's a, it's something we have here in Lafayette that I think a lot of people you know, take for granted. And during COVID, they realized they were taking it for granted. I think people were just craving live music. Yeah. So Cajun Music at that time, uh, we were doing online, like Facebook videos where we'd play music. And there was just so many people from all over, down here, even to this day, people are like, man, I really appreciate how you played Cajun Music during COVID on Facebook. It, it really made it, it helped me get through COVID, you yeah. know? So um, it's some music that people hear, they get nostalgic for when they don't have it. Yeah, so. that makes a lot of sense. Um, all right, final question. You've done a fair amount of traveling, it sounds like, mm -hmm. other countries, United States. Uh, what's what's maybe your favorite place or one that really <laughs> sticks out? Or if somebody says, tell me a story, yeah. what's, what's your go-to? Well, my last country I went to was Norway. Oh, wow, okay. I loved it. I don't know what to expect. I did a little bit of research on Norway before I went, but I just loved Norway. Uh, I just love the, the way their government works there, the way, I mean, their healthcare is perfect. Yeah. Wow. Perfect really? healthcare. Like no one will complain about their health. Even musicians, and you'll appreciate that as a musician, it's subsidized by the government. Yeah. Believe it or not. Like, uh, you know, so if you're a musician, as long as you play, I think like one gig a month, you, you, you can live your entire, you don't have to have another job. Yeah. You can have a beautiful house. You can have, and it's completely paid for because the government realizes that music is very, very for, important, yep. you know, for mental health and everything. And, and so there's also not door covers like the, you go to a hideaway, you got to pay $10 because these musicians rely on that door cover to get paid. Oh, yeah, yeah. But over there, there's no door cover because the musicians get paid from the government. So there's no cover. So it's open to anyone, whether they're poor or rich, they can go to these places. They're subsidized. Subsidized, by exactly. The so Norway was amazing. People. You know, if you fall and break your leg, unlike this country, you won't go bankrupt. Yeah. Over there, they will actually take care of you. Um, and people say, oh, it's uh, the taxes are crazy high. So when I was there, I was like, let me do some research on this and see how accurate that is. Yeah. You know, it's the same. Yeah. I, I figured yeah. out based on what I pay in this country and based on what they pay in that country, it's the same. Yeah. It's just, it goes to different places. And so Norway is where I went recently and I just loved it. The people were great. Now there's some, some things, you know, it's very white there. Oh you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. There's not really much other culture happening there. So that can be kind of stale. 
which is why they love Cajun music so much because I was I was bringing a whole different kind of wild South Louisiana <laughs> excitement to their pretty quiet neighborhoods up okay. there. We were up in the very northern part where the sun doesn't go down in the summertime. Yeah. It just kind of goes, <laughs> So I loved it. I would go back in a heartbeat. There's some Cajun musicians who live there in Oslo who are, uh, they're from Oslo. Okay. And they invited me to go play with them in Oslo. Oh, that's so cool. So that was real. I was there for like two weeks. and uh, Were they authentic? It, it sounded- They have been down here many times and they are great. They, uh, and, and they take a lot of Cajun tunes and translate the words into Norwegian. So wow. it was great. I, I loved playing, and I hope I get to go back next year. But yeah. that's the first time I ever got invited, like as a solo musician, to break away from Pine Leaf Boys and go play with other musicians. Mm-hmm. But I was like, man, yeah. I, 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 it was after COVID, and I had wanted to go back to Europe again. It was a great opportunity to go back there. So That was Sweet Willie Allen? That was uh, just me as a <laughs> solo accordion player. Wilson. Yeah, just Wilson Savoie with these guys who are uh, Norwegian Cajun musicians. Mm-hmm. And they own a house, and everything is, uh, like I said, all their music is subsidized by the government. And um, and it wasn't just them. I'd go to talk. I see these other musicians. They'd be in a bar, you know. Here, you'll see a musician at night. They'll be strumming a guitar, and they're get paid a hundred dollars or whatever. And then they have to go to their job the next day. But these people are actually subsidized, and it's just so amazing that uh, that they care that much. And it's not just musicians. It's also artists and photographers yeah. and any right. other kinds of art. Yeah. I thought that was just amazing yeah, that that is. exists in this in this world. Yeah, and um, and it turns out if you even as an American, if I wanted to move there and just live there, they're very welcoming. And I thought that was great. I could just move there, and after six months, I'm basically I could get all yep. the same benefits. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, all right, you wouldn't have to sneak across that. the border. Exactly. They would say, yeah, they just go here because they're very welcoming to that. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I, you know, I love any time that arts is supported. Uh, so that was one reason I fell in love. With Norway, and I've been to many other European places, but Norway in particular was one that really stood out as really being top level. And I think if you look like on a list of countries, yeah. like I, I was asking Chat GPT that, what is the best country? I was like, well, I can't say which is best, but I can give you a list of uh, very pop- and of course Norway was like Norway, yeah. number I think one. The, you know? the Scandinavian yeah. <laughs> countries should be in the top the top ten always. Yeah, yeah. except in the winter, that can be pretty depressing. That, but, uh, that's yeah. fair. Yeah, because the sun never comes up in the winter. But uh, yeah. Otherwise, I loved it. Yeah. That, that's awesome, man. Well, well, cool. Well, thank you. And Jan, again, thank you for letting me ask some oh, questions. Yeah. 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 What an honor. So again, Wilson Savoie. Well, thank I'm you. I'm going to pronounce it right. And, Definitely. Uh, well, they're both right. So. Yeah. But thank you for taking time to be here, sharing your story. And we didn't get into it, but I know on what you just touched on, it can be very difficult for many of our local musicians to make a living just with their art. So I want to commend you on your talent and what you've done to promote our culture. Well, thank you. Yeah, we've been trying. One thing we tried to do was have a door, a door cover, where the 100% of the door cover actually goes 100% to mm-hmm. the musicians, which is unprecedented. No one ever did that. It was usually 80%, and then he would take off all this other stuff. So by making that change, other venues followed suit. Mm-hmm. So if I can say anything I'm proud of in the last couple of years was improving the pay to musicians in Lafayette by we had to set a rule 100% and then all the other places had to follow that. So I'm really proud of that, that Hideaway was able to make that one change. Well, I want to thank you. I want to thank Ben Berthelot and the team at LCVC, Lafayette Travel, Mm -hmm. and the Eat Lafayette campaign. We got in your restaurant. We got in your your talents. Yeah, they've been very cool. They've been great. Yeah. And Jason Sikora, thank you for taping this. I want to thank you and Chris Rader for your support. 
of the Discover Lafayette podcast. If you haven't subscribed yet, you can subscribe anywhere you get your podcast. And please check out discoverlafayette.net. Wilson Savoy and about 335 or more interviews are there. And we've got some great people that represent our culture. So I want to thank you all for your loyal support. On behalf of Discover Lafayette, this is Jan Swift. 